I'm Kevin Boyd, and this is But Wait, There's More, a conversation show about the things we're thinking about, things we care about, and things that are important to the life and culture for the people of Legacy Church in Plano, Texas. Today, I'm here with Patrick Ega. What's up, Patrick? What's up? Well, today is going to be a little bit different because we're not going to be scripted. We're just going to have... You mean we script these shows? No, not really. Okay. Uh, but sometimes we have an outline, but okay. there's no outline okay. to the show. And I guess what we're going to do is have a, a conversation about race that's unscripted. And, you know, one of the things that uh, we tend to do around here is that we talk about some of these conversations that we have on these podcasts. But I think some of the conversations we have behind the scenes is really cool. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes we we tend to be more genuine, maybe, maybe because we're not on camera or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I think some of the conversations that we had, especially about race, um, have have deepened my understanding on perspectives. And one of the conversations we had in your office a, a while back was about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that we view Jesus sometimes, especially in this climate, in our culture, is maybe this picture we've seen for many years. Uh, I don't know how long this picture has been in existence. Yeah, I have a a copy of the picture you're talking about. Yeah. Two copies of it. People will, re- especially if if you grew up Catholic, yeah. you'll recognize the picture. But I have one that literally I bought at a Christian bookstore when I was like 16. Put it in a frame, hung it on my wall. Some <laughs> people, I mean, people did that. And then a friend brought me the, the exact same picture. He was right. in Ireland. And he brought it back from Ireland in a little a little bitty frame. Yeah, I, I have it still today, and it's the same classic picture with flowing, <laughs> you know, locks <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> bright blue eyes. Bright blue eyes. Yes. And more than likely, it, he didn't look like that. No. And I, I think that's the the dilemma that we find ourselves in. And I, I think one of the stories that um, you know kind of jumps out to me, especially coming up from an environment where you know my family's from. Uganda, right? So one of the things that we understand about Uganda is that it was colonized uh, by the British. And one of the things that they portray to G- about Jesus is that he is that blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, guy that looks fabulous with hair like our worship pastor, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. But here, here's the thing about that. Um, it has created a facade of who Jesus is, but it also created something different in the culture. I would say, even in Uganda, uh, for a season there. I'm not saying that it's going on right now, but for a season, it was almost taught that the the black race was inferior mm-hmm. to those who were white. And they used this picture of Jesus to say, see, we are from a more superior wow. race. And so... Through, through many different times, they, I've heard stories about missionaries bringing uh, toys like of black characters or, or black dolls for mm-hmm. girls. And they would say, please don't bring that here. Those are ugly. Oh, wow. Because of maybe, I don't know what's being trained over there, what, what their mindset is, but there is um, a deep issue of how people have viewed um the color of skin and maybe their, i guess their personhood yes. related to that yeah and so whenever you talk about jesus in certain climates right now uh people can either relate or people will not relate at all people will have a bad image about who jesus is because some of people think that it's just a a white man's religion 
yeah. in which I get a lot. And I think one of the cool th- stories is what you told me about um, when you were at the store, I guess, Barnes & Noble. Yeah, yeah, with and Elizabeth. Yeah. My, uh, my oldest daughter, Elizabeth, uh, turned 12 this summer. And um, we just had a daddy-daughter date to Barnes & Noble, yeah. get a snack, walk around. We both love books. We love art stuff. She had a, a gift card um, for Barnes & Noble, and she wanted to pick out a Harry Potter something. Nice. Because uh, they've got a good selection there. You let your kids watch Harry Potter, huh? Uh, yeah, I've read <laughs> the books <laughs> multiple times. There was a season. A lot there, of fun. I, I, re- that, I yeah. remember that season. Um, but but we've learned to yeah. to ease up a little bit. <laughs> uh, so we were, though, in the, the religion section or the spiritual life, whatever. I mean, it's just a whole host of different ideologies in that section called religion, and it's some of it's absolutely crazy. But as we were looking through books and just... That's a soothing thing. I, I like walking through a bookstore yeah. and touching books. It's right. a, a weird thing, but Elizabeth likes it too. And as we were going through this section, there were numbers of books that had depictions of Jesus that looked like that classic image that hung on my wall and yeah. that was shared in, in a lot of places. And and if you've watched many movies uh, that have been made or were there video depictions of the Gospels, Jesus is usually from Spain, the actor is, or he's from, you know, from England, and he has an English accent, a British accent, and has the, you know, beautiful, (laughs) flowing, you know, long hair. These pictures all look like that, and I I just made the, the observation to Elizabeth. I said, isn't it funny that all of these pictures don't reflect... Uh, a person who was from the part of the world that Jesus was from in his humanity. Yeah. Uh, and she said, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, well, think about the places in the New Testament, the places in the, in the Bible where everything takes place. Think about Galilee. Think about Samaria. Mm-hmm. Think about um, the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Think about Africa. Think about Egypt, Moses' story. Think about all of these places. Yeah. What do people look like? who are born and raised in those places. And she said, uh, and she reflected on different kids from her classrooms. Of course, we live in a community yeah. that is is very diverse and has a lot of international uh, folks living in Plano. But we began on my phone to look up, you know, Google man from yeah. Samaria, man from Galilee, man from Egypt, to kind of get a picture of what would Jesus in his humanity right. look like. And she was just, I mean, blown away. She yeah. said, how come I've never seen a picture of Jesus that looks like this? And if you Google, there's one, I guess, recent, more famous image that people pass around. Mm-hmm. Um, what would Jesus have looked like? Yeah. Uh, and she goes, I've never seen anything like that before. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And so we had a conversation about art and classic art and, and renaissance and, and things that are way really above my head. So yeah. I'm grasping here. but. But um, how the European influence with power, with wealth, mm-hmm. um, with uh, Renaissance of arts had such an effect on the way people view and think yeah. about a lot of things in history, but specifically about re- religious history or right. about the, the gospel story. And it seems you know, to be pretty true right. that uh, countries that have money, and abundance of education have a greater voice in giving a tone Mm -hmm. on what people think about the Bible or about the gospel story. Right. And Elizabeth was just blown away. She's like, but that's not, that's not fair. Yeah. Right. And it reminded me, do you remember talking about uh, Letitia Wright? Yeah. From Black Panther. Yeah. So I read a story about her. She is a Christian. Mm -hmm. She, she's, you know, professes to follow Christ. 
but she told gave her testimony and said that for years and years she just was absolutely against Christianity. Yeah. And the reason she stated was because she could not conceive of worshiping a white man. Wow. And that was something because of the the experience, personal experience mm-hmm. that she had had yeah. in the places she grew up. And because of the the uh, I guess the dominant and and ugly culture, even that you're describing in Uganda in right. America, yeah. where um, there have been a there's been a mindset set that this is an inferior race, right? And it was accepted um, by white people uh-huh. and forced upon black people, right? So she said, "How on earth could I ever worship a white man?" Yeah, and yeah. it took. Uh, a dark moment and a season in her life and Christian friends um, being persistent and faithful with her to be consistent in their words and deeds for her to go, okay, I'm going to, and she said, I'm going to give this one year. I'm going to really put my all into understanding Jesus for a year. And she came to find an understanding of the biblical Jesus, not some false portrayal that culture has painted of him and gave her life to Christ. And I think that's interesting because I think one of the conversations we did have about that before is even the thought of what happened in her past for her yeah. to even be that standoffish yeah. uh, with somebody that is white, uh, to have that perspective. And it's interesting because uh, even as we talked about it, one of the things that I could honestly think of is when I was a young uh, young man, and even my wife has expressed when she was a young girl, uh, there's been many times where we walk up to certain individuals who are white or a majority white in maybe our classrooms or uh, certain areas. And sometimes the conversation we may end up hearing is, you know, um, you know, Patrick, you don't seem to be a bad looking guy for a black guy. Mm. Or for her, it was, you know what, you're actually pretty for a black girl. Wow. And it just kind of does something to the mindset as to, why do you have to say that? Why can't I just, you can just say I'm just a handsome dude or she's just a, a pretty girl, but is there a distinction? Uh, do we have to make that a distinction to say you are uh, a good-looking person because you are, uh, uh, because if you are of this race, you stand out uh, with most of your race? Uh, it just does something to your psyche, and it does something to how you may think maybe white people might think about you, um, it just messes you up to the point where it's hard to relate. Are there other characterizations you experienced, you or, or Jess, um, where it's like for a black guy, you da-da-da-da-da? For a black guy, I, I know how to speak English, or I speak English very well. I don't, I don't speak Ebonics uh, or whatever okay. you want to say. Um, and usually when I hear the, or this, this is actually, and I don't like this. So any anytime somebody comes up to me and says, Patrick, you, you're basically white because you speak like a white guy. And I say, you know what? I'm sorry to say this, but I am 100% black. <laughs> I'm, my family is from Africa. I don't know how much more black you can get. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to set the record straight and say, that I speak better than most people in the country. Yeah. And it, and I would say that there's many people of different ethnicities that know how to utilize the English language very well. Right. And it's not going to be a specific color that does it well. It's just, I just really believe that um, you just work hard at, 
communicating and getting better. And I don't look at it as a race thing. I just look at it as doing my best to communicate. So I, I, I feel like I know you decently well. We're yeah. friends. I don't feel like you have an inferiority complex. No. Um, but have have there been times and seasons in which the characterizations got to you yeah. to where it affected the way you saw yourself or the way you presented yourself? Right. Um, there's been a couple times where I think the temptation is that it creeps in from time to time. When you work in corporate America, um, which I, you did, which and people did. may not know that, that yeah. you had a, a career prior to yes. being in ministry. So in corporate America, there is a, an, a data uh, anal- analytics company that I work for. And many times people are like, man, Patrick, you've got some great ideas. Maybe you should try to go for this promotion or whatever. And, you know, every time I tried, they would just kind of push back. Uh, one day I tend, I, you know, uh, a lead, I guess you mm-hmm. say, um, he basically used my exact words that I said in a specific meeting, mm-hmm. but he went into this meeting with the, our department and uh, the higher ups and basically said the same thing following week i go in there with the same and the the funny thing is that they said dude we love your passion we love your passion for uh all of uh, everything that you're doing Mm -hmm. right so one week we have another meeting the lead is gone so i have to step in and kind of express kind of do the same thing yeah um basically same messaging and basically i get an email later that day they said that they found my presentation a little aggressive wow so i was like okay um which isn't something that i've ever like experienced with you right i I got a lot of time in with you at this point and i've never seen you as an aggressive person and at all no um i try my best not to be but some people can interpret it differently and it's kind of the point is it how you interpret me as an african-american man so that's where it starts creeping the characterization the characterization starts uh just playing yeah uh aggressive black man yeah so it's something that i have to do every day that i have to make sure that i remind myself we're in a the atmosphere or the the world we live in is full of sin yeah and i can characterize everything as much as i can and more than likely it could probably be it would probably be true Mm -hmm. it could be or it may not be. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the things that are creeping in my head, I actually have to call that um, and confess that to the Lord mm-hmm. and not let that play on me uh, too much. Yeah. And that's where I have to do the deep dive with Christ and start praying and reading scripture and re-identifying what's going on. Because at the end of the day, it's really just people not understanding the scope of what they're saying, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and living in a fallen world that I think throughout history, throughout biblical history, we understand that it's not always been a race thing. It was a lot of times it was a cultural yeah. uh, issue, a tribe issue. And now in our la- latter days here, um, it's now a race issue. Okay, so, so, so let's root this in, in the Bible for a minute. Yeah. In, in Genesis 1, I'm going to quickly find Genesis 1 in the Bible. Do you know where that's at in the Bible? Yeah. It's at the 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 beginning. beginning. Okay. Uh, In in Genesis 1, it talks about the creation of mankind. And God creates all of the heavens and the earth and everything in the earth. And he creates it as 
the landing spot for the pinnacle of his creation, mankind. And it says, then God said, let us, again, pointing to the nature of God as being Trinitarian, Mm -hmm. the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in union, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Pausing there, just interesting again with the hints at the Trinity that we find throughout the pages of the Bible described in greater detail there. Um, What we find already is that there is a community of the Trinity where it is one God, but three persons, right? And so there's distinction, the Father Mm -hmm. and and the Son and the Spirit. So there's already a diversity at work in the creation uh, of humanity. And it says, let them rule over the fish of the seed, over the birds of the sky, the cattle, over every creeping thing. Uh, And then God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Interesting. It doesn't say he created them red and yellow, black and white. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) it says that he created them male and female. Race isn't a part of creation. Right. Um, The part of creation is that the image of God, the Imago Dei, is handed into humanity. Yeah. And there's a distinctive of male and female in that humanity, but all people are created as image bearers of of god reflecting the image of god what does that mean well it means that we're communicators Mm because god communicates it means that we're morally responsible because god is is morally responsible we're spiritual because god is spirit we are uh we're relational god's that relationship within the trinity himself we are uh, powerful and to use power for good stewardship just as as god has done but as you mentioned Sent enter and sent enter the world in, in in Genesis three, right? And that breaks it fractures the image of God, yeah. Which means we're not. That's why we're not good at communicating, and we hurt with our words. We're not good at relating, and that's why our relationships fall apart. Yeah. We're d- and we don't use our power in right. a morally responsible and and faithful way, stewarding the grace of God True. because of sin. Yeah. Now, the reason I set that up. I'm, I'm, I'm going down this road. You and I li- listened to a sermon recently by a friend of ours mm-hmm. in Fort Worth, and he talked some about how uh, uh, before I begin this sermon on racism, yeah. uh, I want to talk about who this message is for because a lot of people go, well, that's not for me. I'm not a racist. Right. I don't have a problem there. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, my my response to that would be, well, then you're denying that there's sinfulness that exists within you. Right. And we've just studied First John that says if you say there's no sin in you, you're a right. liar. You're okay? a liar. That's true. Um, but our friend went on to, to give like like critical examples yeah. of if you see a particular kind of car going down the road, or if mm-hmm. you see someone wearing a head covering, or if you hear a particular style of music, and mm-hmm. and when you're something guttural, something in you goes, well, of course that you know it would be that kind of person listening to that kind of music, right. or that kind of person driving that car, yeah. or, or oh, you know, I see the head covering. Immediately there are assumptions. Yeah that you begin making about this person, who they are, what they value, and, and what what their value is to society. Right. Why why is it that um, so many of uh, you know our people, and I don't mean our people just legacy, but I mean people in our, our, our world, our country, our community, deny racism, that it exists, it's real, and that they might have a problem with it. What is it in us that wants to say, oh, I don't have a problem with that? Uh, I think people just have a, a hard time admitting uh, that at times they can be bad. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that's just our, our issue with God in itself. But uh, I, I think everybody has an understanding about what racism is. It really is hate. Yeah. At the end of the day, if we want to describe it another different way, it's hate. Mm-hmm. And really when he was, uh, when that pastor was describing all of those things, those are not loving actions. Right. Those are hateful actions. That does not resemble Christ at all. Right. So nobody wants to admit that they hate anybody. Right. I think at the end of the day, I never want to admit that I hate anybody or had issues with hating people. But at the end of the day, I, I have to be honest and say that I I have dealt with that in my past, right? I have dealt with that every now and again. But here's the thing. We all ultimately have to remember that thank, thank the Lord for Christ Jesus who came and has redeemed those who decide to have faith and believe in him, right? Uh, but really, I think... I think it's just admitting that we hate is tough. We don't believe that in ourselves. Is it possible that it's also narcissism? There's that. Na- naivety about our own narcissism mm-hmm. at work. Yeah. Where, uh, because w- when we begin to make these preconceived assumptions about a person's life based on their skin color or their clothing or their tastes or styles or, or, or whatever, um, immediately what we begin to do is is sort and it's yeah. not even necessarily a conscious sorting i think more often than not it's a subversive subversive unconscious sorting that takes place where yeah. we just begin to go where do i fit and where do they fit yeah. in society right. and there's something in us uh this narcissistic thing that says i am the standard yeah um what i think what i feel um, what even if you had an inferiority complex yeah. and you have been oppressed or oppressed upon within you, still there's this rising up that says, um, but my anger and my feelings mm-hmm. now are justified. Yeah. And now I have righteousness in my view of things. Right. I am here. Right. They are there. There. Yeah. It's that perspective that I at the end of the day, I'm right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the reason why you're in the position that you're in is because you didn't do it the way that I've done it, right. which is the right way. Yes. Uh, without getting to the understanding that, hey, there's a different paradigm in mm-hmm. somebody else's world. I don't care what race you are in another house that might be of the same ethnicity is a different paradigm. There's a different situation going on. People are not thinking in that concept. They're just thinking, I played by the rules. I did it this way, mm-hmm. and this is what worked out for me. And the reason why you're not in this position is because you did it this way. Look at the l- kind of music you listen to. Yeah. I mean, who's going to hire you with the kind of way that you the way with the way you speak? Yeah. Who's going to? Uh, why 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 don't you try to uh, get a better job, uh, or whatever? It's, it, there's all these elements that go with this self-righteousness you made me think about with that combined with the story about your your corporate experience remind me of a, a video i saw on instagram i'm yeah. telling on myself now <laughs> but this guy's a, is a young black man he's at work he's mm-hmm. leaving work for the day yeah. and he's saying goodbye to people in the office and he's wearing a nice suit and, and tie and his his you know as he speaks people see you later friend goodbye <laughs> buddy and then he gets to his car and he shuts the door and he just lets out this deep sigh and goes 
<laughs> and he takes his tie off, takes his jacket off, takes his shirt off, puts on the clothes that he's comfortable in, puts on mm. the music that he's comfortable <laughs> in. And it's like, I had to do all of this right. just to belong right. in this place. I could not be me, which is the other side of the narcissistic coin. Mm-hmm. You know, one side is you don't do as I do, so you must be wrong or less than, yeah. regardless if I'm the standard or not. But the other side of that coin is we have clumped people by any kind of thing that we can. People by their skin tone mm-hmm. or by their birthplace of origin or by their socioeconomic status or by their clothing or right. by, by generic things that really don't tell you necessarily anything about a person. Yeah. We've take, taken leaps of logic in a fraction of a second and we haven't seen the person. We haven't right. gotten to know the person. That's the other yeah. narcissistic side of the narcissistic coin. It's it's we don't take the time to to actually see mm-hmm. people, right? For them to be seen and known and heard, and so we don't understand anything about them. And right. I mean, I can I can go out and wear uh, different things, and 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 people <laughs> will begin to assume things about me without ever knowing me. You could do the same, and people things would be assumed. But right. the other side of that narcissistic coin is our tendency to generalize. Mm-hmm. And to not uh, know people, to not right. listen, right. to not see. Right. I think in, at the end of the day, if, if we want to get tougher in language, yeah. uh, I, I think one of the things we could say is that basically somebody walking in that mindset, uh, narcissism, or just this mindset where they're self-righteous everywhere they go, you're walking pretty much in judgment, right? You're walking, judging other people mm-hmm. every single day. Uh, at every single corner, right? Yes. And here's the thing with that. Um, if we are saying that we are believers in Christ and that's the mindset that we walk in, then I have to actually say that you have not allowed Christ to be the center stage of your life in that area. Right. Why? Because for some reason, you still feel that you need to be on the throne of your own heart. Yes. And dictate everything that need, continues to move forward. Yes. And because of that, you are not going to see people the way that Christ sees people. When we say, when uh, people who are in uh, oppressed uh, areas, if they're, if they're expressing that there's issues, if you're walking in that mindset, you're never going to see it. You're always going to see it from a perspective where you're like, well, look at your positioning. You're positioning yourself in a terrible way. If you just do what I tell you to do, yeah. if you just live the way that you're supposed to in my context, then everything will be fine. No, that's not how it works for everybody. That's right. And it's just letting and, you know, I bet, I guess it's teaching people that the context of life looks different for everybody. But yes. yet we're still brothers and sisters in Christ for those who are in faith in Christ Jesus. Um but we need to be understanding and yet ready to minister when yeah. those times and moments y- come. So you, you made me think of Second Corinthians 5, your favorite passage, favorite, favorite chapter of mine in the Bible, one of them, um, where Paul defends that his behavior doesn't look like the societal norms and people yeah. are saying that he's crazy. Yeah. And, and you know Paul was a, a frequent victim of cancel culture yes. um, because of his behavior and his speech. Yeah. And uh, he often was defending that. And here's a moment where he's defending it. People are saying that they're nuts. 
And he says, oh, no, you know, it, it's not that. It's the love of Christ controls us, is yeah. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Having concluded that the love of Christ yeah. controls us, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who may live may no longer live for what you're describing themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. His next verse says, therefore, mm-hmm. because the love of Christ controls us, and we don't live for ourselves, but we live for him, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, that's it. It's If you're in Christ, I mean, this should be humanity itself. You know, there, there is no good reason mm-hmm. to, to oppress and crush another human being. Right. Um, but if you're in Christ, there is no excuse. Right. Right. While sin has marked your life, once you're in Christ, you're to have died to sin and been made alive to Christ. And because of that, right. because he lives in you, you should see no longer according to the flesh. You should yeah. see with spiritual eyes. That's so true. And, and Matrix 4 is coming out this year, yes, and I think I you and that. I are both excited I about that. I am excited about that. But you remember the first moment, Matrix 1, when Neo could see the code mm-hmm. of the Matrix? That was always the image in my mind. Suddenly you saw really what makes up the fabric of the world, and right. you don't just see the images that the world has accepted. Absolutely. That's what, that's what this is talking about. Right. If you're in Christ, you now see the fabric of the world. Right. Sinfulness, sinlessness, brokenness, mm-hmm. opportunity, yeah. and you're to live as Christ lives, to That's see true. Christ sees. That's true. And I think also, it's even as we did the study on First John, um, I think Pastor Dustin, had to, he, he preached on it whenever he was talking about love and what love looks like, mm-hmm. you know? And some of the things in Scripture that we uh, read is, if you are saying you're pretty much of the faith, but yet you can say you hate your brother, mm-hmm. then you're not part of the family right right that's part of that coding yep. that you have to look at yes some people are harder to deal with than others i get that but at the same time if they're your brother or sister in christ there is something that conne- uh, connects you that's deeper than just flesh it's his spirit right it's what he did on the cross and if we don't start seeing in the terms of what we would they say the spiritual aspects of it the, the the thing that he's calling us to live by then unfortunately we're never going to see people the way that christ wants us to see them right we're, we're just never going to be at that space as a matter of fact you're never going to love people up to the par that christ is calling us sure. to love people and i think that is one of the harder things that we all have to to truly understand in all of this, because uh, I think something that could potentially get me canceled right now mm-hmm. is even on the flip side of things, I understand that there's a conversation of, you know, because I am black, I could never be racist. Right. Oh, yeah. There is that. And, and I could say, if I don't love my brother, uh, because maybe they're a different race, culture, something like that, I'm falling into the same line, right? And whether I'm in an oppressed position or uh, a superior position, whatever you want to say, I have to also recognize that that particular hate can come into my life and dictate how I see other people. So regardless, this is for all mankind. This is a conversation we all have to have with ourselves. And I hope, like, even as we're having this conversation, that we all can take a look at ourselves and say, you know what? I'm not racist at all. 
Yeah. You know? Well, let's take a step back and see, ask ourselves the questions. Uh, how have I been speaking about other people mm-hmm. of other ethnicities recently? I've heard recently we've had a situation in, in a different country, in the Middle East. People were upset about how we dealt with it. Um, and then all of a sudden, somebody goes to a mosque the other day and puts some threatening things yeah. after we celebrated uh, September 11th. It's it's just very weird. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, this is just a uh, a thing where we have to escape our flesh mm-hmm. and reside in, of course, his what he's calling us to. So if you were to give some advice, he says, for all mankind, mm-hmm. what are what are two or three things every human being could do to combat um, the work of the enemy mm-hmm. to create um, racist ideas or uh, preconceived notions or words being perpetuated mm-hmm. through their life? What would you say that would help someone to fight against racism in their own heart, whether they recognize it or have yet to recognize it? Well, number one, I think you have to pray. And when I say pray, I always say pray because that's one of the number one ways where you can start fighting. MC Hammer <laughs> said, if you want to pray, you got to yeah, make it today. You're going to make it you today. You just got to pray. That's right. Pray. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but seriously, you, you do have to pray because at the end of the day, uh, the work of the Spirit is going to start operating in, in your life, right? Yeah. Which means you actually have to be open to the opportunities of being convicted. Mm-hmm. And being convicted is, how have I been treating people of other ethnicities? Um, There might be statements that we now know. Mm -hmm. Maybe we weren't aware before, but now we know. And maybe we've been a part of some of those statements that have been made. But maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you need to get better at that. Maybe it is time for you not only to apologize to the Lord, and turn away from that thing, but maybe you can go to that person that you may have offended, or maybe you can start building relationships. So I would say pray, be open to conviction, and start building relationships. Yeah. Um, I remember somebody telling me once, um, you don't really know if you have opened your life up to people of other races Mm -hmm. or ethnicities until you've looked at your your kitchen table or your yes. dining room table yeah that it's one thing to g- have acquaintances at work or at the par- or at the park yeah but once they've entered your home and shared food with you then you go okay this is who I have relationship with yes yes and I think that is very important why because it sharpens us yeah. perspective wise I think even in a biblical standard even spiritually it's going mm-hmm. to push us forward there's going to be things that are going to be stated where we're it's just going to open our mindset and say oh my goodness uh, i i've been saying that to other people Mm -hmm. and maybe they've been offended by me so it's just an eye-opening experience that you get to have so it's prayer it's just being open to the spirit to convict you build relationships yeah i think those those three things um with people who who look different different absolutely look different um (laughs) it's like um Okay, so this is a funny statement because it's uh, from Kings of Comedy. I'm not endorsing that you watched <laughs> okay. Kings of Comedy, but uh, there's a guy well, we named... We quoted MC Hammer, yes. and I think we... One of the comedians, uh, I think D.L. Hughley, uh, yeah. said, have you ever talked to somebody that uh, happens to be white? And they say, hey, I'm not racist. <laughs> hey, guys, hey, okay. no, 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 I'm not racist. Uh-huh. I had one black person 
at my house the other day. Yeah. Yep. And then I think the end of that joke was that he was there to install something. But, you know, oh, he gosh. had. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. It has to go beyond a work yeah. relationship. It has to go beyond a, su- a supply and demand kind of situation. It actually needs to be. You know, uh, like your favorites on your phone? Yeah. Do you have anybody on speed dial? Yeah. Who doesn't look like you or do all of their pictures look just right. like you? Yes. So true. <laughs> And that's yeah. a good indicator yeah. of where you stand and what you need to work on. Yeah. And that's not to throw judgment or shade at anybody, but it's really just to call us up sure. to the standard that Christ is calling us to. We're not supposed to look at somebody because of their experience in life differently. We're not supposed to look at somebody who has different skin complexion uh, in a, a, a lower manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're supposed to look, especially as us in faith and as believers, uh, we're supposed to look at each other as family. Yeah. And the moment that judgment starts to lead us, we can't do it. That's right. So, all right. So let me let me give kind of a final encouragement here. Um, one thing I think about, uh, unless you got something else, no, I, yeah. all right. I, you know, I think we'd agree that there are sins of omission and sins of commission when it comes to racism. Yeah. And and probably one reason a lot of people say, oh, I don't have a problem with that, is because they aren't doing sins of commission yeah. uh, overtly. You know, I'm not saying ugly things about people, right. but they might be guilty of sins of omission. Right. They just have, have avoided um, either um, building relationships with people who are not like them. They're just avoided uh, or they have avoided fighting for justice when they should fight for justice, yeah. speaking up when they should speak up or confessing when they should confess. Yeah. And uh, we're studying um, this fall pastoral epistles uh, and several passages throughout and there's one that we're not getting deep into in a, a sermon, but uh, as I read it, it's just kind of hung with me, and it, and it reflects both commission and omission. Mm-hmm. And it's of people who are Christians mm-hmm. in a very broken and immoral place, yeah. and people who are living under oppression in an immoral place, and they're Christians. And so they might want to act in, in certain ways. And Paul's encouragement is like, it's just straightforward. He says um, that they're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all mankind. And a couple different translations here. One says instructing us to deny godliness. Another one says it trains us to renounce, Mm -hmm. to, to cast aside any ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our Lord for Jesus' return. Yeah. So essentially, there's commission and omission here There's that, that rise up in us when it comes to this race conversation. We're watching it every week take yeah. place. There are people who throw themselves into arguments <laughs> and go, well, I'm going to fight about it, yeah. whether it be about critical race theory or racism right. or, or systemic racism or uh, the church's place and is the church racist or not, and what has maintained or existed in the church that, that reflects or has accepted uh, racism, as we've talked about it today. Yeah. And then there are other people who might not throw themselves into arguments, but they just, they're just not showing good faith. They're yeah. not demonstrating good faith. They're right. not acting with integrity right. by standing in justice for, with the God who rules them, who loves justice. Uh, and so the, all of these, these things, and it's Titus 2, 9 through uh, like 14, 15 here, really give us a calling to say it's really important that if we claim Christ, that our actions 
and our words and our attitudes reflect Christ in all things. And that applies in every way to the conversation about race and racism. That's true. Live sensibly. Don't be argumentative. Live in good faith. Deny ungodliness. You're being trained to renounce any unrighteousness that exists within you. Yeah. Which means we've got to be more aggressive in engaging our own hearts and practices and our words when it comes to race and racism in the world today. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know how to to close this out better than prayer. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll close it out. But Father, right now, um, we thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who did the incredible work of dying on the cross for us, our sin, our brokenness, the nature of who we are. You died for it. Lord, I just ask, Father, right now that you begin by the the working of your Holy Spirit to do a deep dive within any person who's watching, even us here right now. I ask, Lord, that you search us. And as you do, just start to reveal the things through this conversation that maybe we need to start making right so that we can look more like you, we can speak more like, like you and love more like you. But even in the moments where things are getting a little confusing out in society, even when we have things on social media, Lord, let us be rooted deep in you so that if a response is ever needed, which at times it will be needed, that we would speak like you and act like you in every single manner. Lord, always expressing your gospel, always expressing your truth, Father. Because we know and we believe right now that racism comes from darkness. It is not a part of the kingdom of God. Anybody residing in this particular realm of racism is not a part of what I would say the kingdom experience. But, Lord, it's a part of darkness. So I just ask, Father, that you would search us. And if you reveal some of that darkness, Lord, let let us repent and let us turn more and let us turn to you so that we may be like you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. And thank you, Producer Chris and Dustin, our control room master today. This was But Wait, There's More, a conversation show about things that we're thinking about, things we're talking about, things that matter to the people of Legacy Church in Plano, Texas. We'll see you next time. All right.